Hello and welcome to the JNM podcast. My name is Jeanette. This is the podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, and anything that we could think of. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> if you are listening for the first time, welcome. And if you are coming back, welcome back. Hope you're doing well. Before I get into any details, I would like to welcome back my guest, Miles Webb. Hello. Who is eating a sandwich? Quietly. I will Yeah, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about the Hulu comedy drama series Casual. It was created by Xander Lehman and had Jason Reitman as an executive producer. And you may know Jason Reitman for directing Juno and also being the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed Ghostbusters. Wait, wait, wait. His dad was a director, oh, and he wrote, did he write Ghostbusters? I don't think he wrote it. I think Harold Ramos wrote it, and then, like, I think um, Dan Aykroyd did, but Reitman directed the, the first two original Ghostbusters from, like, the 80s. And then he also did Space Jam. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow, okay. This was like towards the end of like his directing career because now he just does like like executive producer stuff. So the log line is a newly divorced single mother lives with her brother who is a co-founder of a dating website and her daughter, Laura, Uh, And throughout the series, the three of them encounter obstacles and dating, family, and life itself. I received information from Wikipedia, Cut Print Film, and IMDb. So in terms of the cast, I'm only focusing on the three of them right now. There's like other ones that come and go. So there's Michaela Watkins as Valerie. You may know her from The Unicorn, which is a TV show on CBS. It's really good. Highly recommend. You also know her as the SNL actor who said shit on camera. Was it shit or fuck? I think it was, I think it was shit because I think fuck was Sam Rockwell. Dude, to own the word fuck like that is, well, she owns the word shit. Go, Michaela. Yeah, and she was only on it for, like, one season. It was, like, during the process when they were, like, trying new things. And it was, like, her and then, like, that one guy that has, like, an interesting face that all that also, like, works with her from time to time, you know? Like, the one guy with the interesting face? Oh, the her ex-husband? No, he kind of looks like him, but it's taller and little bit slender he was in wanderlust with her as like her husband and they're like supposed to be like this like they live like in a mcmansion in alabama (laughs) oh goodness with like an suv and everything which one what movie is this the title uh wanderlust w-a-n-d-e-r lust the one with paul rudd and jennifer aniston i didn't Okay. Oh, this is, this is shitty or not shitty. I'm kind of hot that I, this happened, but uh, when I thought of that movie, I could only think of the blonde woman's face. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know she's in it. 
And I like her a lot. It's because, oh, this is so gay. It's because I watched, I don't know, what's the HBO show with um, the actress from Friends? Jennifer Aniston? No, not Jennifer Aniston. The character's name is Valerie Cherish, and now I cannot think of. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Wow, I just, I forgot Jennifer Aniston. One, let's start there. Two, who is the actor from Phoebe? Oh, uh, Lisa Kudrow. That's totally it. Okay, so she was in the show with Lisa Kudrow. Very, I would argue, a gay show. Oh, oh, was it the comeback? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did you watch it? No, I've seen because it it came out around the time that I was like too young to watch mature content type of thing. So, but I saw the trailer and I was like, oh my God, I want to see it, but I couldn't because my parents, but then I literally found out like when I turned like 18 that they were totally fine with me watching like mature content. And I'm like, isn't that kind of disturbing? But that's like a whole nother story. (laughs) You know, wow. We could really dive in there. Cause one, the sexiest content is the stuff you could not watch when you were like younger. Yeah. Like the way I feel about Grand Theft Auto Vice City is insane. Oh like, yeah. I was my parents, out of all things, that was like the one thing they kind of should be like, I probably could not play that. And now I'm just like, ugh, all I want to do is play Vice City, but I want it to be better. So well, so that's the first point. The second point, it is interesting what parents choose and choose not to let kids watch. I mean, I mean, didn't like let me, but like when I wanted to watch Desperate Housewives, she was like, that's cool. <laughs> for that like I'll, I'll be fine because it's it's yeah. like on like an abc so if it was that, like on fx it'd be different dude that's how oh my god that's like the, the gayest shows were actually on network tv but they were just so they were so hidden in plain sight <laughs> well they have to like i mean it has it's like I would say like the minute that Modern Family came out, they were like, okay, we can we can go all out. <laughs> Talk about gays now? Well, fuck, let's go. That, yeah. Wait, really thinking about it, Modern Family did sort of revolutionize like gay Hollywood. How annoying to say gay Hollywood. But you know, yeah. like maybe LGBT. Yeah, like the representation of LGBT. Damn. Modern fucking family. Yeah. Bill Dumpy will always... If I ever bump into him, <laughs> oh no. No, if ever if I ever bump into him, I'll be like, hey, you're the zombie from Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> what? You fucking would. That is such a power play, Jeanette. You are like an inherent psychopath. I fucking love <laughs> like, I don't even mean to I just do know you from that. You do that and I'll forget who Jennifer Aniston is. I'm like, Jennifer, who? Oh, wait, were you in that movie too? Oh my God, I didn't even know. Wow, we're monsters. This is terrible. <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, so that's Michaela Watkins. <laughs> okay, we'll come back. We'll come back to sexuality because we are going to talk about Patrick Starr at some point. So oh, yeah. keep going, keep going. Uh, so we have Tommy Dewey, which is a very interesting name as Alex. Can't even jump in here. You may know him from The Mindy Project, which is like a TV show, 17 Again, 
And apparently this web series called Now We're Talking, which is like a sports commentary comedy. I'm watching so much of that tonight. It's like in a weird, like, I don't know how it got credit, but it's like on this one network that no one has heard of. If you just Google it, you'll find it. I, okay, what, now we're talking, that's a, say hey, because I'm like, that's a great name. Not for a sports show at all, but it is a good, oh, that's a good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, and then you have Tara Lynn Barr as Laura. You may know her in a movie called God Bless America. Uh, another one called The Darkness, and this one TV show called Aquarius. Aquarius? What yeah. is that? Uh, it had, like, the guy who played in Californication, like, the lead, and he's this, like, I think an FBI agent who's trying to find Charles Manson. Okay. And I think she is, like, one of the cult followers. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's okay. That's interesting. Like that, it's a movie about cult. And no, that... it was a TV show. It lasted, I think, for a few episodes before it got canceled. Oh God! So uh, I don't know how great it was if it it was. I forgot what I was gonna say. Well, because I was like Aquarius. I was like, okay, so it does have to do with Zodiac. What does that have to do with Zodiac and the Zodiac being the Zodiac killer? And I was like, oh, no. I don't. Yeah. I think it was because like it was because like Charles Manson was like during the 60s like late 60s mm-hmm. that they were like oh let's put Aquarius <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah okay hmm uh hmm huh you know I do think the the, the phrase age of Aquarius comes to mind and I've never known what it means and if I'm going to just assume based off of this minimal information I have right here, right now, maybe it's like a way to describe the 60s and 70s or even the 70s. Because it was, how do you describe the 70s? It was like from well to disco. I mean, I would say 60s is definitely like psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Very colorful because it, it went from like the very serious 1950s and then it just ballooned into this rainbow and then the 70s is when people are like oh let's focus on the browns and the warm colors so maybe age of aquarius describes you know 69 through 71 i mean under that logic we're obviously like at the end of an age of aquarius <laughs> so like if you're thinking about time, like, i'm thinking about time after <laughs> aquarius I hope Aries. <laughs> no, I don't think so, but I hope so. Oh, what was interesting about all this to begin with is isn't their father like he's like a culty guy? Like that's his character. Is he's Yeah, I think like his I think like the their mom is like a groupie that like follows around the Grateful Dead and like a bunch of other like uh rock at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he loves her, but apparently she doesn't want to be in like a committed relationship. Mm-hmm. So he's just like going with the flow of like this whole open relationship. And I don't know. I don't think the dad is like a cult follower as much as like their mom. 
I think like he just kind of went with the flow type of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, I mean, well, the first shot and the last shot of the first season uh, are them in a church. And it's one looking at their father's death in a dream and then two looking at the marriage of them in like real life. Yeah. And then they had like the same funeral, like in like the last season, right? This is like the last episode. Okay, you can give me shit for this. I'm gonna give you shit for Patrick Star. You can give me shit for this. I've not watched the last season. Like not even started it because I think it'll break me in a really weird way, and I'm just like I don't know. If I need that. Honestly, like I watched the last season, and I think it would have been fine if they just ended on season three. I don't think they needed season four, to be quite oh. honest. Oh, okay. it's kind of like unreal where like season three kind of like did a really good job like tying the bow and then they're like oh we got picked up for season four let's just pretend that whole thing didn't happen and then just make this whole other story (laughs) i you know thinking about the development process i bet they came in they were like look we got a three season it's you know we're gonna shoot it in a cute ass east la house we got michaela Watkins. we got blonde guy who talks about sports we got Manning Pixie cult follower. Let's fucking go. And that's how they pitched it. I bet. <laughs> uh, well, apparently, um, in terms of development, the creator of the show, Xander Lehman, uh, say that the show was inspired by his relationship with his sister when she moved into his apartment after their parents' divorce. And apparently while she was living there, she ended up being with, like, I think his best friend. Oh, no. That yeah. is so... <laughs> so... <laughs> hefty for me to hear right now. Okay. not My parents are not getting divorced. But I am trying to get my sister to move to New York. And I'm just like... Because, okay, not to go too deep into it. I have a twin sister. And watching this show, I'm just like... God, I am a lot. I'm very needy like Alex in the same way. Whereas Rachel is very much like Michaela Watkins. I don't know, what's her name? Not Laura. What's her name on the show? Uh, Valerie. Oh. Yeah. Another Valerie. Oh. What's the connection to come back? I don't know. Hmm, just a gay making connections. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not high. I'm just tired. Um, anyway, I'm needy like Alex. And yeah, so watching the show is kind of like good and hard yeah I mean I think like to be honest I think like a lot of us are like a little bit of all three of them like we are have like some form of seriousness like Valerie and like the need of having a committed relationship but then we're also like Laura that wants to have like more of like no strings attached and then you have Alex that's like is also in the middle where he wants to commit a relationship if like the other person is like walking away from him type of thing. He's sort of like every single string is attached to yeah. every part of his being. Yeah. But, um, I get that. I'm very strings attached type person. <laughs> you know what? That's why I'm into bondage. And <laughs> I can say that comfortably and be like, it's fine. It's not like queer. No. No, it's uh, it's psychosexual. Okay, we can keep going. I'm sorry, I'm really tangenty to that. Oh no worries. 
So Jason Reitman helped Xander create a face for the show by bringing in like Michaela, Tommy, and Tara. Um, and then he also helped him pitch the show. Like he kind of helped him almost like as a mentor. They pitched the show to Hulu with the scripts for the two episodes. Hulu picked it up. Um, and then throughout most of the series, the company gave the writers a lot of space for creativity with only them stepping in to like with a few notes every now and then. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Question. Do you think that, I don't know. See, I can go really deep, deep into this like conspiracy stuff. Cause I'm, I like the whole Noah Baumbach controversy in part. Yeah. Stuff. Okay. So the tea here, do you think they all lived in that house? Like genuinely? Cause it was a nice house. And they also mentioned it multiple times. Like the characters? Yeah. Like the actors or maybe the writers or something. I don't think so because I know that they went to Vancouver to shoot like the scenes. So I don't think they actually lived there. <laughs> Go ahead and, and direct us whatever was going on next. <laughs> okay. So in terms of like the summary of the show. So season one starts with Alex as a co-founder of a dating app called snooger.com uh, metaphor for grinder okay sorry amalgamation yeah i mean for me it kind of was like a bumble version of match.com a bumble version of match.com yeah it had the swiping aspect but it also had the like desperate need for a heteronormative marriage that yeah match. <laughs> yeah their fan base on <laughs> yeah real key match.com is actually christian mingle Sorry, I'm like, I'm rubbing my eyebrows if I just dropped some information that was really standard, <laughs> really obvious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so his sister Valerie and her daughter Laura have moved into his house in Beverly Hills uh, after Valerie divorced from her husband, Drew. And Drew left Valerie for a younger woman. She also works as a therapist while Laura is super sexually active with her boyfriend Emil yeah this is just the first episode I know I feel like that you the, what you just gave I was like that was the first episode yeah <laughs> they were like what a good slice of life synopsis that is just you got a founder a therapist and a sexually active teen go ahead that is literally oh Hollywood's so gross but also I love it Alex sets up a <laughs> double date um, where both him and Valerie go on separate dates, but at the same restaurant and almost right next to each other. And then within the first few minutes, they go into like this area of the restaurant, like I guess like near the restroom or something, and then wants to talk shit about their dates where Valerie thinks her day is boring. And then Alex thinks like his day is ignorant about her caveman diet <laughs> and this was when like caveman diet was like a thing when it was like just happening if i remember correctly which yeah i mean okay it's hard because any diet any like fad diet or one that's like clearly fad diet is very call outable yeah 
So I'm like, it was low hanging fruit, but they did handle it so well. Cause like the hypocrisy of a keto diet or the general hypocrisy of people who do a keto diet is incredible. It's nutty. Yeah. So however, both their dates somehow saw them talking to each other and then basically just end the dates. Because she ran back there to, I think, get away from him because he was exclusively talking about him. He was like, I did not like him at all, her date. Yeah, he was just like really like boring and like had no like interesting qualities of him, in my opinion. He was so overly jaded it was like ugh. yeah uh, this one better for her but anyway she runs away and i bet you know non-diegetically alex like was watching the entire time because oh yeah because they were kind of like signaling each other or like if one of them gets up the other one will follow them like within a minute or something mm-hmm. to meet up um so then after the dates alex is like encouraging valerie to like go on like casual dates and actual like official dates yes the name of the show casual yeah. which I say, the the intro graphic where it's like it's match.com's pop out selector thing where it's like what are you looking for and then a full slew of things come up yeah is one of my favorite show intros oh yeah i would say it like very it like summarize what the entire show is about without doing this whole like intro music it was like just a sound and then that with the final the song that they used every episode of the first season the like after laughter comes tears yeah with Ariana Grande then sampled so I was like mm, guess to the fan Grande <laughs> <laughs> just a hard no or whoever her producer is whatever all right to to sidetrack I could always have a grande sidetrack <laughs> Valerie tries to do this like casual dating with this guy Leon who's a composer but then it doesn't go anywhere like nothing happens and then instead Leon becomes Alex's new friend then she goes to her receptionist named Leah who helps her out by going on like a girl's night out and then she manages to get like a younger guy to have sex with but then she oversteps herself and like visits him without you know letting him know to give him spoons oh jesus yeah on that note i had a very valerie moment recently oh really oh yeah i went to not a younger guy's house a slightly older guy but as far as in his like emotional development, definitely a like younger man. Uh, he, had, he had just come out of law school and exclusively talked about law school. I was like, oh, you haven't, you haven't been yourself for at least three years. Yeah. Maybe not. Uh, wink, wink, sir. But he had this ugly, not ugly, not right for the scene, lamp in the corner at his window. And I was like, it was mismatched from the rest of the lighting in the apartment. And I think that's the reason I did not ever call him back was it was kind of an ugly lamp, but I was going to, okay, I didn't have a Valerie moment. I thought about a Valerie moment. I was going to send him a light bulb as like a gift. And 
because I didn't get his number or anything. I was gonna just like put my number and be like, you need better light bulbs. And then get some dick that way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The only kind of dick I want is hard one, I will say. Hard. <laughs> so meanwhile, Laura is starting to have like a crush on her photography teacher named Michael. And he only goes by his first name. No, Mr. Whatever. When it's scary. When a teacher doesn't go by their last name. Yeah, because I think even Alex brought that up or like Drew or Valerie brought up when they went to the parent-teacher conference. And then she's like, isn't that weird? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, so it is Sunday. I'll say when we're recording this. I do have a confession for you. Yeah. Okay. I haven't told... I'm afraid to tell you this because I think you're going to like judge me harshly. I did watch a teacher on Hulu. Wait, what? I watched a teacher on Hulu. Oh. And can I just say, it had it had big like up in the air Jason Reitman energy with mm-hmm. no comedy, no bits, not a single bit in that show at all. Which I think is good. I think it needed no bits because the ending was genuinely like was kind of empowering in a nice way. Uh, but that teacher also did not go by her last name. <laughs> okay, well, hmm. <laughs> but what time is it? I have to go. We're digging into some deep stuff here. Oh, yeah. Emil and Laura end up breaking up um, when Laura sees Emil with another woman at a party and but then they come together for like breakup sex like one day but then uh it was secretly recorded and posted on social media supposedly by Emil however it turns out that Laura was the one that recorded it and was just doing it just to get like attention or like sympathy from other people Wait, that's not season one, is it? Is that yeah, happened? it was season one. Episode one? No, like this is like oh. season one summary. Oh, okay, that makes that makes sense because I was like, was that episode one? Because I here's what I did. Here's how I rewatched the show is I watched like the first and last episode of season one. So I watched the whole thing and I was like, it's somewhere in here. And which now that you've said it, I'm like, yeah, totally, I do remember this. Um, and then I watched some of season two a few episodes of season three and none of season four. <laughs> I mean, totally fine. I mean, uh, for Miro, like uh, for Unreal, because it was such a big episode and each episode is like about an hour. I just had him like watch certain episodes. That's, how did he like it? Um, uh, he, he really liked Unreal, uh, but then I told him not to watch season four. <laughs> So I was like, don't watch season four, just end it on season three. Um, but he really liked it and he liked it so much that he wanted to keep watching the rest of the other episodes. I love that you tell people not to watch a season. That's great. That's really, uh, I mean, what I love about it is it feels like a screenwriter's recommendation where it's like, if you want the good writing, don't go past you know, yeah. this 
arc finale, you've gone too far, <laughs> basically. Uh, so I just, I just really like that. That was that was um, heartwarming. Thank you. Awesome. Warm heart. Cracked back. Uh, so while attending this art gallery, Valerie starts to like Michael, the photography teacher, and even goes on a date with him. And then this is like during the dates, Michael mentions about Laura's sex tape, which causes Valerie to confront Laura. And it's like, why didn't you tell me this? Um, and then even Emil confronts Laura, knowing that it was her that recorded the, the video. And then Laura's like, oh, like, don't talk to me. Like, I'm, you know, kind of like the teen angst uh, thing. So one day, I think it was like a couple nights later, Valerie meets up with Michael again to talk about Laura. But then they end up making out with each other. Uh, and then this is when Laura decides to become a psycho and go to Michael's house. <laughs> she sees her mom making out with the teacher. She saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. <laughs> yes. And then this causes like Laura to be like, you like she tells Michael that you should be with me and yeah. then he's like like I don't understand what you're talking about because he doesn't know how Laura feels about him like he thought that this was like a like a student teacher relationship but yeah. Laura thought of it as like oh I'm his like scandalous relationship hmm. you know it's almost like she had a lackluster relationship with her father and was looking for a mentor, father, sexual relationship, whatever. The exhibitionism is uh, key issues. Love yeah. that. And then Laura tries to ruin Michael's career by attending like an art gallery. Michael's, Michael is showcasing some of his work, but it fails like because he confronts her. Like, do you know that scene? I okay I do not but I'm like tell me more about it because I, I bet it's a very interesting scene yeah so she goes to she finds out um, that he's showcasing a couple of his art photography at this art gallery and then while she's there she's like meeting up looking around looking at some of the photography and then she goes to his photograph of her and then some guy comes up and is like oh that's you uh, and then says like, oh yeah, like I'm like me and Michael are in a very personal thing. And then he's like, well, what are you talking about? And that's when Michael goes and it's like, hey, like you're not supposed to be here. And then she's like, the, you know, <laughs> like we should be together. And then he's like, yeah, but I don't see this anymore beyond the mentor relationship wow okay Ugh. that is fucking like that's well written really yeah. like romantic drama where yeah. so she's looking for a mentor this photographer he's like i'm fine i like you know i'm working out my own shit but then falls in love with a therapist who is sort of like a mentor in a lot of ways to uh people who have neuroses not that i know um 
And yeah, that's very, it's so misaligned. Like the stars are so not symmetrically misaligned, but they are misaligned. Yeah. Ah, oh, love triangle. Luke. I know. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> In terms of Alex's story with Valerie, she thinks that um, she's getting into Alex's space and decides to buy a house. And then Alex freaks out thinking that, oh my God, he's going to be alone for the rest of his life. So then he adopts a puppy and hopes to keep the three of them together. However, Valerie can't buy a house at during that time because she is only allowed to have an allowance of 2200 just like her ex-husband, unless they sell the house. And it's just that like the dissolution of a marriage in quotes, like being represented by the dissolution, like by selling a house is so American. Oh yeah. It's like, that's, that is my gosh, my gosh. And it's kind of funny because they're in California. So under California law, it's the 50, 50 divorce where both people get half. I forget how like holy a place California is. Like that is that is hot damn. Yeah. Because in New York, I'm just like, oh, you would never. You'd prenup yeah. all, all every time, every time. Well, I think after like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, everyone was like, yeah, prenup, prenup. <laughs> Love those games? My goodness, those are Hollywood games. So after several times of being as Valerie decides to sell the house, however, Drew changes his mind and keeps the house and basically pays Valerie out, like buys her out um, after his girlfriend talked about plans of having a kid. Alex fails to take care of the puppy and ends up returning it. Then this is like when he starts to date this woman named Emmy. Now Emmy is in an open relationship with another man Okay, go on. I'm not going to get, I'm not, go on, please. So at first Alex was fine with it, but then over time of the relationship, he begins to fall in love with her and almost wants her to be in a monogamous, monogamous relationship with her, with him. Oh man. Like he doesn't out, like out loud say like, I want to be a monogamous, monogamous relationship, but it's more of like, he wants her to be with him more than the other guy yeah well that's that's that with the show nothing is out loud it's all casual so thus yeah hidden in plain sight if you will valerie and alex's mom named don decides to stay at alex's house after she found out about valerie's divorce and then apparently uh don is someone both Alex and Valerie despise due to her parenting skills and how she refused to have a typical love life with their dad, Charles. And during Thanksgiving, Dawn tells everyone that she's getting married to Alex and Valerie's dad. And apparently they felt they wanted to make their relationship official after 20 years quote unquote together because during the 20 years they kind of weren't really together 
Yeah. Oh, God. What California fantasy parents. It's very much like the, you know, flower children turned flower adults. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we just like fuck around. We're casual. So during uh, Don and Charles' wedding reception, Charles asks Alex if he can pay for the reception and the the wedding ceremony. Uh, And then Alex doesn't give a definitive answer and instead questions on why they're throwing the party in the first place. Oh, man. Oh, that's not to bring it back to me. But it's actually like, I'm doing a similar thing to my parents right now where they're slowly asking me for money. And I'm like, I'm just like, well, why do you need that? And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know because my dad's that. I get it, but I don't, I can't. What a weird day to talk about casual, but what a good day to talk about casual. But also, aye, aye, aye. Yeah. So, uh, sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, keeping it on. So Alex um, invites Emmy to the wedding like reception and Emmy notices Valerie is kind of like stressed out and like annoyed about Dawn, you know, being Dawn. <laughs> so then Emmy gives Valerie EDM to relax. However, during the the moment they end up having sex while high on EDM. Go ahead. Wait, wait, wait. Can you tell me what is EDM? It's like um, it's like a drug that people take uh, during like raves. Like it's like you. It's like a, a psychedelic, like a type of psychedelic drug. EDM. Is it? Are you sure you're not thinking of DMT? Oh, maybe I am. I thought it was EDM. Because <laughs> I was like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to like, you know, I was like, maybe it is called EDM and I'm, I will, okay, here's what, here's what, at raves, they do play EDM and. Oh, MDMA, ecstasy, yes. Ah. <laughs> Let me start over. Hey, high on EDM, you know how it goes. <laughs> you never thought you'd suck. I, you know, Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you do too much EDM, and that's okay. Uh, no, so Emmy gives Valerie MDMA, which is ecstasy, to relax during the ceremony. However, when they were high, they end up having sex, and then Valerie wakes up like in in bed with Emmy. So Valerie tries to leave the room once she wakes up. But Alex walks in on her with Emmy and then immediately drives back home without any without saying anything. Okay. That this is the episode I watched was it was actually like the end of that episode into the next one. Where I was like, I saw him drive away in that Audi A6. Is it funny that the A6 his name is Alex? Yes, it is to me. I catch that. <laughs> I release that too. I get it. It's interesting because I wonder if that character felt like uh, aligned with Laura in a weird way because it's the same thing that she did with the photography. Yeah. God, Valerie, I love that Valerie is like the enemy, like is fucking public enemy number one. Is 
so good. It's so good. Oh, yeah. The next day, Alex tries to find the puppy that he returned. However, he finds out that uh, with Leon that the puppy was euthanized. So he becomes upset and tries to ram his car or Leon's car into the building. But the emergency brakes uh, activate and stop the car. Okay, two things on this, because obviously poignant scene, not Leon's car, because it was the A6. Oh, it was. I thought it was. What I what I do like is like that was honestly maybe one of the only steps into surrealism the show that I saw at least or and I noticed. Yeah. Well, besides like the dream the in the very beginning, it's like quiet surrealism. Um, Audi A6s I don't think have that good of like braking systems, or at least that one. Maybe it did. I'd have to relook into it, but I feel like that generation didn't do that really. Um, you don't ever talk about either. Is Alex? Well, maybe, maybe I just didn't catch this. Is Alex on medications? I don't think so. Damn. Yeah, I think um, I think either Laura or Valerie are on medication, but I think it's like sporadic. So he goes back to the house after that meltdown where Emmy and Valerie are there to try to explain everything. But Alex ends up breaking with Emmy and then tells uh, Valerie that he is upset and basically goes on this whole like silent treatment with her in between season one and season two. So in season two, uh, Alex tries to hide his feelings from Valerie by starting a healthy lifestyle. So he begins to like work out, do hot yoga, make kale smoothies, you know, like the typical California lifestyle. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Kind of becoming keto girl from the first episode. Yes. That's kind of interesting now that you mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Go on. So Valerie has to deal with the remodeling of her building while also trying to repair the relationship with Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I mean remodeling of her building, I mean, she has like an office in like this building and one of the tenants is remodeling her office. Oh, this relationship is absolutely. Yes. At like 10 out of, no, Okay nine out of ten but i am oh oh that tension yes that tension sorry oh so uh laura gets kicked out of her private school due to the sex scandal and it causes her to attend public school she checks out a high school nearby but it is underfunded doesn't have any special art classes like photography and the students hate attending there. Alex decides to homeschool Laura, thinking that it isn't hard. And after a couple of weeks of homeschooling, Laura decides to sign up for this co-op teaching where the students decide what they want to learn and work with other students. I'll have you know, she meets her closest girlfriend in the show in this episode, um, who is, I don't know the actress's name, looks kind of like a mix of Dua Lipa and the actress from Emily in Paris, but did play Xanthopy on The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. 
Oh. And so I can only see that actress as Anthony. <laughs> she is- kind to be honest, in my uh opinion, she kind of reminded me of like that Haley from the edge of 17 Haley with the Simon. lead. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Like a little bit. I think it's just the hair. And they probably have the same hairstylist. During this whole co-oping uh, organization, she meets Aubrey, the soon-to-be girlfriend, and Stefan, who is a student who comes and goes, mm-hmm. but doesn't really explain. But it turns out that he has terminal cancer and is going through chemo treatment. When I tell you it was a weird one to watch this week, I mean, it was a weird one to watch this week. Oh, yeah. So as Laura studies with Aubrey, they two began dating, but it's it wasn't official because I think for Laura, she kind of thought of it as a casual relationship while Aubrey thought of it as a dating. So it's almost like Laura's becoming the photography teacher and then Aubrey is becoming Laura in a sense. Hold on, go back, explain that one more time. So while the you know our Aubrey and Laura are studying and like hanging out together they become closer to the point of dating but I think in my opinion it felt that Laura thought of it as like just like a casual friendship you know with some like kissing here and there while Aubrey thought of it as dating like they were actually together Again, this is why the show is so, the arcs are so perfectly symmetrical. It's like, she's become a photography teacher, which she wanted, so it's like a fuck you mom, but then also she's become like Alex, so she's distant and um, not emotionally available. She's also, I mean, homosexuality in this show is so unspoken. Oh yeah. It's nuts. Queer siblings, it's weird, it's hard, it's difficult. Funny. <laughs> when um, Lauren Aubrey asks Stefan what he wants as like a lifetime wish, because he has terminal cancer, they want to like make his last like few months spectacular. So he asks for a threesome, which leads them to be in like a polyamorous relationship. However, as Laura and Steven get closer they end up having like sex just with each other and then end up like getting closer and hanging out more than with Aubrey Mm, okay okay and then when Aubrey found finds out about Laura's secret relationship with Stefan she breaks up with Laura to which Laura was like I didn't know we were dating (laughs) That's so interesting, because you, wow, that's so interesting. My goodness. I don't know why I find that so interesting, but it's just like those three characters are so perfectly aligned. It's perfect misalignment. Oh, yeah. Uh, So Laura and Stefan continue to hang out with each other and even getting tattoo designs by each other. Like one, like Laura... um, designed Stefan's tattoo and then Stefan designed Laura's tattoo. 
And uh, when they went coffin shopping, Stefan makes a joke about his death, which upsets Laura. And this is where she realizes that she's starting to love, like fall in love with Stephen and will miss him after he dies. However, there's a twist. When Stephen's treatment is successful and his tumor is decreasing in size, Laura begins to lose touch with him and they break up. <laughs> the show is so, even hearing you retelling it, it's like pissing me off. Yeah, and, that's what, and I'm like, so ang- like angry horny. I'm so, yeah. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna break this desk, I think. Like that's how yeah. I feel. It almost reminded me of uh, Transparent, you know, where it gets to the moment where everything is going well for them and then they say something or they do something and then it just ruins it. I mean, at the core, yeah. that's a great that's a great connection between those two shows. Do you want to know personally what connection I draw between those two shows? Go ahead. The fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell yeah. You, thank you for laughing at that because I draw a hefty, like this, those two houses are, oops, no, I'm not gonna say that. Yeah, they're very like, they have like a very open floor plan and very modern. Very, they're essentially the exact same house. They are so different in how they are shot. My fucking, like put the microphone down. I need to go write an entire screenplay right now. That's how I feel. Yeah. In terms of Alex's story, Alex is told by his working partner, Paul, who surprisingly is the boss of Michael Scott from The Office. Also on Mad Men. Yes. You know, which begs the question, where's John Hamm? Where the fuck? Where's his dick? Because I feel like his dick just pops out and it goes on his own. <laughs> John Hamm's dick is walking all around this show. Like, it's truly just in the house somewhere. I don't know where, but I'm just like, you can smell John Hamm's dick, right? <laughs> you smell John dick. Oh, this is, this is, this is, raw isn't even the right word. This is putrid. <laughs> so Paul, the office Paul. guy. Which, oh, sorry, this brings us back to uh, why I definitely wanted to talk about this show because of the Bumble IPO. Yeah. Which it's almost like what would have, hold on. Okay, keep telling and I will have a point. Yeah. It's not right, I have a point. Yeah, so uh, Paul tells Alex that he needs to sell his stakes to J&E Capital, a venture capital um, company that can prevent the company from going under the dating app. Uh, So after some thoughts, Alex signs up and sells his app. So he tries to make a good impression with the new company and Jordan, who is the CEO of JME Capital, by inviting them to his house. And then during the party, he finds out that Jordan is engaged to Sarah, Alex's ex. Oh, so much. It's, it's fan fiction. It is absolute fan fiction. What, okay, we'll come back to the Bumble. At the end of the season, let's come back to Bumble IPO. So keep going. Yeah. He states that Sarah was crazy when they were dating and even took his all of his light bulbs when they broke up. But then when he went to his dad 
to find out, you know, about Sarah, uh, his dad tells him that because Alex was cheating on Sarah, they decided to tell Sarah to break up with him uh, and like to tell Sarah that he was cheating on her uh, because they started to notice that Alex was falling in love with Sarah Mm-hmm. and didn't want um, Sarah to be disappointed when she found out about his cheating. Okay, so Alex was cheating on Sarah with, who, what's her name again? Uh, no, he, he was cheating on Sarah with other women, and then his dad found out and decided to tell Sarah to leave him because he was cheating, and because they noticed that Alex was falling in love with Sarah, and then this is like when he heard about this, Alex makes this mission to get Sarah back. Oh, it's so funny. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Not a single thing. Hmm. So he tries to like buy as many cows um, because like they have like this like or- organization on like their like wedding website, Sarah and Jordan's wedding website. Oh, yes, to make a scene, buys all the cows. Yeah. Uh, and then... Dick energy right there. Yeah. And then he also buys some of, like, of her chairs from her store <laughs> that she has. That's like a chair store, which is weird. <laughs> she has a chair store? Yeah. It's like this, like, modern chair store. <laughs> Again! Okay, wow. The the obsession with houses and marriage is like so deep. So then Sarah starts to notice his actions and confronts Alex and tells him to stop being generous. And then out of frustration, Alex decides to have sex with Jordan's assistant, Fallon, who was from Girl Boss, the lead. <laughs> yes, she was Girl Boss. <laughs> Another thing I'm not ashamed to say, I watched, I am ashamed to say it made me move to San Francisco. That is what I'm ashamed about. <laughs> I was like, oh, that looks really nice. <laughs> it's like, look at this vintage store. Well, I'm go. One night, okay, well, one nice thing about that is that it was definitely about vintage stores. And when I went, the place, the area she lived was totally like fucked up, totally gentrified. Is this a show about gentrification? Mm-hmm. But was totally fucked up. And then I had to, oh, I had to find my new favorite place in SF, which was, I could not tell you the street. I couldn't even tell you like general and area, but it's where I got fabrics for uh, my van. But then once I found it, once I found that place, I think I had a week and then I was just like, I need to move somewhere else. So I didn't have a Fallon moment, I get that. The next day, like after the whole having sex with Fallon, Fallon notifies HR and Jordan about her and Alex having sex in the office, causing her to order Alex to sign a form recognizing that they are in a relationship. To which Alex is like, what? Incredible. Incredible. I know. Incredible. (laughs) Incredible. So Alex confronts Fallon about the form, but then she is stating that she's using the relationship to get back at Sarah. So then Alex decides to hop on 
without any explanation or anything. And they go to Sarah and Jordan's wedding reception. Together. Yes, as a couple. <laughs> and then Sarah confronts Alex to stop playing games with her while Jordan talks to Fallon in another part of the hall. And while they're talking, Sarah notices that Jordan or somehow it doesn't really obviously say it, but she kind of puts two and two together that Jordan has been cheating on her with Fallon. And then Sarah breaks off the engagement with Jordan and moves in with Alex. Fallon was having sex with both Alex and Jordan? Yes. Because it was something like that Sarah looked at Fallon and Jordan and they had like, I guess like their um, body language was like, yeah, they are kind of... Wait, who who recognized that? Uh, I think like Alex was... Um, saying that oh like Fallon is using her and Alex's relationship in order to get back at Sarah and then Sarah looked at Jordan and Fallon and it was like oh my god like kind of that realization without obviously saying like oh my god they're cheating or like they're sleeping together oh yeah yeah okay if there's a scene I would really like to watch, of course it's at the wedding or whatever. This, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's wedding. like a wedding reception or very, very white, you know, ceremony, you know? Yeah. That's <laughs> annoying, but also I'll like it. And I hate that I'll like it, but I'll really like it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's very interesting because that's like the power of uh, suggestion. The, hmm, feels like an improv term should be inserted here. I don't know which one. Very it's like the whole like very hard on the showing and not telling type uh, of technique yeah it is uh, oh my god it's like literally a glance and it's like flip and the day after the party fallon is fired and the other employees begin to apologize to alex on how she manipulated him because it was like he comes into the office, finds out that Fallon is fired, and then the other employees are like, oh my god, we're really sorry that she was manipulating you. And then Alex is like, what? Like, what's going on? Like, he was completely out of the whole situation. It's good for him to have, like, a situation where he's not in control. Like, that's a very, like, a healthy, like, a hard, a tough love moment that no one was going to give to him except, you know, his lovers. So Jordan decides to be like, hey, like, I will do whatever it takes to bring your company to the ground to Alex. So Alex uh, is served a morality clause for negligence against JME Capital. He tries to recruit Paul uh-huh. in to stop Jordan from filing a lawsuit against him, but Jordan offers to buy Paul out of the company for 2.5 million, to which Paul was like, yeah, I'll accept it. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay, so going back to the homosexual tension that runs rampant through this show, John Hamm's dick, you may remember. Um, For Paul to one, put a monetary value on Alex is heartbreaking, 
And two, probably the first time Alex ever had his heart broken by a boy. Well, go yeah. Paul. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not like so for Paul, but I'm just like also, oh, like, go Paul. You bad. <laughs> I love you so much. Love you forever. Just a question. This is just for my own personal curiosity. Do they have sex in season four? Paul and Alex? No. Damn it. Paul leaves forever. Like, yeah, basically after this episode, like where this whole situation happened, like you never see Paul. Wow. Gosh. Love these representations of daddy issues. Really do. Really do. Okay. So with no support, Alex reluctantly signs a deal to let Jordan take over his company while allowing Fallon to have a one-year salary, which was like 63000 which I'm like, okay, that's a little too high for a receptionist, but. You know, and what I'll say, I'm like, it's just about right. It's fucked up, it's just about right. I'd rather it be 70, but 63, I'm like, okay. Because at this point, I feel like a receptionist for my job. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like, like 63 is about right for what for the amount of work and the amount of care i put it and i'm like yeah 63 okay yeah yeah you're paying for they're paying for a cutie basically i'm gonna go quit my job like literally right now (laughs) (laughs) so depressed alex tries to reach out to valerie but she doesn't respond so this is where I go back to Valerie's story. So she tries to rekindle her friendships uh, from her with her college friends. However, all of them are now friends with Drew. And like out of like feeling sorry for Valerie, one of them decides to invite her to a birthday party for the group's new friend, aka her replacement who to me is pretty funny uh who gets praised for being a good mom to a kid she only sends funds for the kid like the kid lives in like i think cambodia or something mm-hmm. and she's just only you know paying like a monthly fee for her okay i i read that differently where oh, really yes where that woman they want to adopt but the cost of it is too much. So they are like just paying to kind of like support that child in that country. Oh my goodness gracious. That mug is like a hardcore virtue signal. That is incredible. I know. And this this is like when Valerie gets into an argument with the woman because a woman makes a comment about Valerie's parenting skills. Yeah, because she was like, well, like, you know, at least my daughter doesn't have sex like every day or something like that, or doesn't have the sex scandal. And then like Valerie's like, what the fuck? Wow. Okay. So to pull that moment back to episode one, the keto conversation, kind of similar things where it's like they call out for this, uh, overindulgent virtue signaling and then they are taken aback when they're kind of proven wrong it's so it's so good because Alex and Valerie are just always on a high horse and it's like they can just be bumped off every now and again it feels good it's like haha you're not perfect 
but I do want to have sex with both of you. Absolutely. 100%. Thanks uh, for <laughs> that. Didn't have, I didn't have to tell. So, <laughs> so the next day, uh, this is where Valerie meets Jennifer, who is the psychologist that's remodeling her office. And it's like making like, like leaving the sofa in the hallway and Valerie has to go over the sofa. And then this is kind of like her low moment where she's like, oh my God, I have no friends. Not even my college friends wants to be friends with me. And this is where she meets Jennifer who she, they both hit it off and then they become friends. I'm so that I forgot that friendships meet cute. That's a cute, that's a meet cute. Because they are my favorite couple in the show. Or my favorite like relationship in the show. Or Valerie and her therapist friend. I just like two therapists talking. I think it's so, so <laughs> awesome. No reason, not at all. Don't ask me why. Yeah, because uh, it's like it's like a very like weird me cute because Valerie sees Jennifer and it's like, okay. Like she confronts her and is like, I hate it that I had to, you know, climb over the sofa that is blocking the hallway. And it's like, I hate that you are having like all these loud noises. I can't think, I, you know, like just spews out. And then Jennifer's like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like really apologizes and invites her to a game night at her house. And this is... Well, let's bring it back to the um, house representing marriage. But obviously Valerie's problem is with like youthful interior design, which is usually illogical and kind of dumb. And that's kind of representation for her marriage that dissolved, which is the same thing that her husband had a problem with was that there wasn't enough like youthful energy. Oh my goodness. Children are vacuums. <laughs> Not on a vacuum. <laughs> I am a broom guy myself. <laughs> I am gonna, like I've never called my therapist on nothing. Like, let me get coffee or something. <laughs> oh man, I have. Stockholm syndrome. Okay, let's go on. During the game night that she has at Jennifer's house, uh, this is where she meets Jack. While she's like, hey, Jennifer, I want to like date Jack. Can you like, you know, have us like set up a date? But then Jennifer keeps like insisting Valerie to date this other guy um, who is very awkward and like has no um, connections with Valerie. Behind Jennifer's back, Valerie uh, meets up with Jack and then they kind of have like this like very casual relationships where they meet up at a hotel room and they have sex like constantly, like almost like by the hour type of thing. <laughs> One day, Jack and Valerie decide to go on like a hiking trip to one of Valerie's favorite spots. Now during the trip, Valerie was becoming paranoid that Alex um, hasn't returned any of her calls. Cause again, she's trying to like, try to reach out to him. 
And Jack tells her that she shouldn't wait on people who don't appreciate her presence. And she listens to him. And this is when she misses Alex's phone call. I crashed. <laughs> we love Jack for that. We love him so much for that. <laughs> and I'm happy that I can say that very comfortably. Jack is so hot. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Sarah's sister and mom move in to Alex's house as a way to persuade Sarah to that she's making a big mistake and should get back with Jordan instead of Alex. So Alex then goes to Jennifer's office to see if she knows where Valerie is. And during the conversation, this is where he finds out that Jennifer used to be in a relationship with Jack and that it was a similar relationship that Valerie is experiencing. So in a desperate attempt, Alex takes Laura's phone without asking Laura and texts Valerie that he needs her, but it's read almost as like it was Laura. So when Valerie read the text, she felt that Laura needed her, not Alex needed her. So she immediately like drops whatever she's doing leaves Jack at the hotel room and then goes back to the house. But she finds out that it was actually Alex that texted her. And then they have an argument in the living room. And this is where Alex tells Valerie that she ruined his relationship with Emmy and that he would never have the special relationship ever again. And this is when he also tells Valerie that Jack had had a relationship with Jennifer and is only using her for sex. And lo and behold, Sarah overhears the entire argument and breaks up with Alex. What's there to say on that? You know, like, what is there? What is there to say? This show is too good. Like, it's it's not that it's too good. It's, like, too well concocted and, like, written. Yeah. To a degree, it's, like, it's so all there is it missing something like would you say that the show is missing something i mean i would say that it's missing a connection between like the middle class viewers Mm -hmm. because they are both like all of the characters are upper class you know or assumed to be upper class you know interesting oh man that's i'm gonna think about what you just said for the rest of the day honestly yeah because you know I fucking love some class warfare. My God, I <laughs> I think we both do. After you just read me your like log, that was okay. One thing on our break. I don't know if you were recording or anything. No, I wasn't. You were not. Jeanette gave me, I guess, a synopsis. Overall, we had like a quick dialogue about this beautiful show she's been working on since college, and you know maybe it's why. Maybe, maybe our stars align in this way. Not to make this a love story between us. Obviously, I want to, and I've always wanted to. But if I had to, we're work. It's a work love story. Like I think we went to a school that was, um, how do you say, pretend upper class. Like, like yeah. posing as. Like it's, it's like, trying to be USC, but it's coming off like Long Beach State. 
<laughs> I don't know. My heart doesn't want to say that, but once you said it, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I mean, uh, I kind of am right. <laughs> we went to the most expensive party school in the fucking not the world, but definitely the West Coast. <laughs> like, no, oh, yeah, their right mind. Who's in their right minds at this point? Anywho, uh, that's probably why I like we connected because we were like, oh, this is like literally a class battlefield. This, oh, yeah, that campus was hardcore. Like, I think we were like the only 10 people that came from like a lower middle class. Like, we were like the group that like the college admissions was like, okay, we have too many rich people. We need to bring like the poor people in. <laughs> the conversation I've needed to have for so long, feel free to edit this out because this is bitchy. But yeah, yeah, I'm like, not that I was taken advantage of, but our fucking advisors fucked us. Like, oh yeah. Oh my gourd. Where were we? Oh yeah, so there's that disconnect between uh, middle class and because they are all so wealthy and so oh, yeah so yuppie which is a california experience or like a you know whatever i mean it, i would say like it's kind of like the ideology of uh california that when people think of california they think like everyone is has like a hundred and eighty thousand dollar income yeah. and we drive in teslas and audis <laughs> <laughs> Okay, to go back to the cars, Valerie's car, I haven't seen, I haven't really looked at season three, like what she drives. Oh, I think it was a Prius. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. Oh my God, now to really go, of course, I'm going to make this about cars. Shit. Uh, (laughs) Some madman shit. But in the first one, she drives a very well, a very high model Prius. The one where it's like, you're not doing this for economy you're not doing this because you need to not pay for gas you're doing this because you want to look like you care okay really no wait but here get darker okay the next one she buys in season two which is valerie's off season which i mean i love an off season she gets a lower model prius like not as trimmed but it's like the newest one it's like the newest most like beautiful one yeah but not that i'm a avid member of the Prius community, but I did have a very vibrant conversation <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> it's like a perfect example of her subconscious obsession with like the newest thing and also virtual virtue virtue signaling. Sorry. Yeah. And that is why this show is good for me. Probably the cars. So Valerie, once she hears about about Jack's true endeavors, uh, Valerie cuts ties with Jack after she returns back to the hotel. Now, Alex, this is where it flips, where Alex tries to make up with Valerie by throwing a surprise birthday party uh, with Valerie's friends, or supposedly um, the friends that Alex thinks she's friends with. However, he invites Jack, thinking that she's moved on from the breakup. So when Valerie arrives at the party, there's an awkward experience between her and Jack. And then she tries to leave only to find out that their father is moving in with them because he has terminal illness. 
he has like some form of heart condition to where he was supposed to be at hospice, but because he doesn't have any money, they basically sent him to Alex's house. Charles tries to make amends with Alex and Valerie. And after some time, they're to forgive Charles. And he also asks them, including Laura, to help him out with his suicide by lacing a drink with sleep medication. They decide to do that. And after there's like a couple obstacles in between. And then they finally do it. And he later dies. Valerie moves out of the house and Laura uh, moves in with her into like a bungalow and then Alex is alone. So a few months later, Valerie and Alex get together for dinner. Alex is using the two extra bedrooms as Airbnb. Uh, However, he has a difficult time being a host. He either is too involved or he keeps taking the guest stuff by accident. (laughs) And then after the three guests, this one special effects artist named Ray moves in for a temporary stay. I can't comment. Okay. (laughs) He also visits Jennifer for therapy sessions, even though she's not supposed to due to like ethics code. So Don... (laughs) sends an invite to Alex and Valerie for Charles's funeral ceremony and orders them to bring their father's ashes to her. Once the three arrive, like Valerie, Alex, and Laura, Don uh, suggests that Charles' ashes should be with her. Uh, Valerie becomes upset, but Alex decides to take Charles's ashes and hides them in Valerie's purse while he replaces the weight of the urn uh, with his shoes. However, during the speech that Don made, she reveals that Valerie was not Charles's biological daughter. I don't know what to say about this, but except I would say that modern day Romeo and Juliet's are always weird. Always. Uh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Not Romeo and Juliet. This is some heavy level shit. When Alex finds out, uh, he decides to help Valerie out uh, by finding her family member that are alive. Her father, her biological father, has died, but she has a half brother because supposedly the guy, the father, had was married to someone else and they had like a a son together Mm -hmm. however when valerie decides to meet up with the guy she finds out that he is very boring he works at the meat section of vons and is very into x-men franchise films okay alex finds out that from his accountant that he only has enough money to cover minimal expenses for the rest of the year. So then he ends up getting a job as an IT specialist for a startup company. And then this is where he falls in love with the CEO of the company named Judy, who has, I, I think she's like in a marriage and is has like a son with her. 
And then over the next few weeks, Alex tries to, you know, get Judy to be with him, like kind of like leave her husband and be with him. However, she feels that like she needs to have more time with her son. So they break up in a way, but it's not obvious to him. But when he talks to Ray about it, like she's like, oh, yeah, she dumped you. (laughs) Uh, oh yeah. So, uh, meanwhile, Laura uh, wants to get her tattoo removed. Uh, that's Stefan uh, designed, but Valerie refuses to pay for it. So Laura takes on a job as an environmental petitioner, which she only gets like cents, like a few cents per signature. However, an activist named Casey uh, that she's actually working for an organization that is paid for by an oil company. Yeah, I know a few. <laughs> so Laura quits her job and then becomes an intern for Casey. And this is kind of where it goes in the same line as like her relationship with uh, Michael, the photography teacher. Where she starts to fall in love with Casey, the Casey is already in a relationship with someone else. Like she's already married with, um, I forgot the wife's name, but yeah, it's awkward. <laughs> okay. She basically, you know, works with Casey for this like law that she wants to pass in the city, and they're able to pass the law. Um, which I guess is like to prevent fracking, like more fracking or something. Mm-hmm. And then after the, the voting, Casey tells Laura that she's going to Sacramento for another like law that she needs to pass or something. Who does? Casey's Casey the girlfriend? Yeah, Casey the the activist. Like after the law is passed and everyone's celebrating at a party, Casey tells Laura that, oh, she's going to Sacramento because she's going to move on to another project. Now, Laura is like, oh, let me come with you. But then Casey's like, no, you should stay here and focus on, you know, continuing protesting for like environmental stuff in the city. But Laura doesn't want to do that. She wants to be with Casey. So then she decides to go to Sacramento without telling Casey and meet up with her. But then she realized that Casey is like uh, flirting with uh, another woman or like another intern uh, at the Sacramento office. And this is where Laura's like, okay, fuck you, Casey. I am dumping you (laughs) theologically valerie tries to like change her lifestyle by attending a storytelling class but this is where she like meets up with like one of the classmates named byron who is very hipster like man bun and all (laughs) i can't scream loud enough for this moment like there's too much air in my lungs 
I know. And then it's so funny because Byron thinks that Valerie is his Venus, like this amazing woman that he wants to be with, but that she doesn't get the same connection as him. And is like, nope, <laughs> this isn't it. This isn't for me. God. Byron uh, is on the Lord's day. I'm screaming, Oklahoma. <laughs> You know? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that that the end? That was Valerie's moment, the last one? Yeah. The finale is basically where uh, Alex confronts Judy and, like, asking her, like, was was she really breaking up with him or just saying, like, they need, you know, space from each other? And Mm -hmm. Judy's like, no, I, I was actually breaking up with you. So then he quits his job as an IT and then when he comes back Ray who is like the Airbnb guest she tells him that uh, she yeah she tells him that she's pregnant um now in the middle of the se- the season Alex and Ray have a one night stand after a game night and yeah she tells him that yeah, she hasn't had sex with anyone else and it was only with him. And yeah, she's pregnant with his kid. That was the end of season three? Yeah, that was the end of season three. You not tell me about season four. Because I, that, I was like, oh, that's a beautiful send off to the show. I need to, I need to let that be the end of it for today. At yeah. Least. And- I mean, like, I don't mm-hmm. want to get into season four, but it, to be honest, I think it was, better without season four it was just part two because trust me i'm gonna fucking love it (laughs) i i just i have a hunch that i'm gonna i think i'm gonna hate it so bad i will love it which is you know hey i'm an alcoholic son hello okay so uh we'll end uh this episode we'll do like another part just for season four and then just our thoughts overall of the season the series is that good that is it for right now you can follow the podcast on instagram at j-a-n-d-m underscore podcast you can email us at j-a-n-d-m podcast at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or ideas or if you want to say hi do you have any last moments? Well, yeah, don't just say hi. If you're going to email, you better email like your naughtiest, filthiest, funnest, most heartfelt um, logline that you have just laying around. Yeah. yeah, I think that's more fun. Okay, that's my that's my contribution. Okay, cool. So uh, thank you again. Look forward to a new episode next week. And goodbye.